I'm Gary Jacob with G&D Jacob Farms in Winters, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to have you along once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, if you keep an eye on those weekly crop ratings that come out, you'll find that Texas has the worst rated crops in the nation. And of course, we can thank this ongoing drought for that. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For those of us who live in the predominantly rural Texas High Plains, Amarillo is a big city. But some of what's taking place in the city could translate to new opportunities for folks in the country. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The drawbacks of large Taj Mahal-type ranch entrances and poorly placed improvements. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have reasons why these are not necessarily desirable on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from East Texas, and on our program today, we're going to talk about the hot weather, dry weather, and how it's affected us in East Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The summertime heat continues with very little rain for both crops or pastures here in Texas. When you look at the weekly crop ratings that come out each week, Texas has the worst rated crop and pasture conditions in the nation. Texas Farm Bureau President and South Texas farmer and rancher Russell Baining agrees. I pulled up the um, USDA crop report that came out, and uh, it, it pretty much um, confirmed everything that we know. I think they're pretty spot on. You know, sometimes we question USDA reports, but this one seems to be spot on when it comes to drought and crop conditions. We're in a tough spot. And when the drought is this bad, there's just not a whole lot you can do. You know, crop-wise, there's not a whole lot you can do if you don't have irrigation. You know, and, and there are there is quite a bit of crops in, in Texas that are irrigated, but still the, the majority are dry land crops. So you, you basically just watch them burn up, uh, and we know the drill. We, we call our crop adjuster and, and, and go from there. Livestock producers have started culling their herds. They've definitely started dipping into what they were hoping would be next year's you know, winter feed supplies. So uh, it's just a matter of, of, uh, of adjusting the way you can. When you talk about Texas droughts, 2011 is still fresh on everyone's mind. But Baining says this one started a bit earlier in the year. I just don't think we were as hot this early. And I think that's somewhat of the difference. So uh, it's the heat and the drought, you know, the combination of the two. South Texas farmer and rancher Russell Baining. 
Cash-fed cattle prices remain strong here at a time of year when we usually see some weakness in the market. Last week, we set a new high for the year with cattle selling for 151 in the Northern Plains. Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says there are a few reasons for this summer strength in the cattle market. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing in that we think about the number of cattle on feed, you know, cattle going in, cattle going out. Sometimes the timing of that, you know, would suggest that, you know, you can still have a little bit of a hole in the numbers or some fewer numbers that are finished and ready. Uh, And so, you know, I think we've got that going on as well. Uh, You know, we've got fewer cattle grading prime. Uh, than a year ago. We've got in the last week fewer grading choice and more select, so we can get some differences there because of consumer demands. Uh, And I think that also brings up that, you know, so far the demand for beef uh, appears to still be pretty good, even though, you know, fuel costs and all the other things going on in the economy. The latest cattle on feed report shows we have record numbers of cattle in feedlots nationwide right now even while the cow herd is shrinking. Amarillo is working to become a hub for food processing. James Hunt tells us this will strengthen the local market for Texas High Plains agriculture. From a business standpoint, getting some new buyers can always help livestock producers and farmers, especially if those buyers are close to home. Well, some good news for local agriculture is this. The Amarillo Economic Development Corporation, also known as the AEDC, foresees the city becoming a hub for food processing. And in fact, the AEDC's president and CEO, Kevin Carter, says a North Carolina-based consulting company is helping analyze options for Amarillo's future. We're going through a process with HRNA advisors on creating a innovation hub centered around Amarillo being the beef capital of the world. And so, you know, obviously we're going to get some traction from that, and we're really excited about that. When the study gets completed, that should be completed sometime this late fall, and then we'll know more about what that involves as far as being more innovative. And as the AEDC formulates strategies, they're getting agriculture's input. We've had meetings over the last six months to a year with over 150 local leaders, and that includes people in the beef industry, in crop production, in dairy production, all kinds of agricultural leaders to look at what we can do. There already is a healthy amount of food processing business in Amarillo, including a Tyson beef plant and a Pacific cheese facility. The new Cacique cheese plant is expected to open by early December, and the city has also offered incentives to a new company called Producer-Owned Beef, with an announcement expected soon on whether Amarillo will be chosen as the location for its plant, set to open in 2025. More from Kevin Carter of the AEDC tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Big fancy entrances to farm and ranch property can be found all over Texas. But Tom Nicoletti says that may not be the best long-term improvement you can make to a property. In fact, it could actually hurt your property in the long run. On our last program, we talked about poorly negotiated oil and gas leases made by new ranch owners. Today, Tyler Jacobs, broker partner with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station, continues the discussion. 
you see ranches that have these exceedingly large stone and pipe entrances with their name permanently carved into the stone or things that are somewhat costly or a turnoff to modify. If you're ever going to sell that ranch or liquidate that asset in some fashion, you want it attractive to as many people as it can be. We always have found more modest, nice-looking entrances tend to sell better than the Taj Mahal entrances because it just fits a variety of more people. Another possible mistake made by uh, ranch owners and rural landowners out in the country is regarding uh, poorly placed improvements. Temporary improvements would be like a, a weekend cabin or a little barn dominium. And you tend to see people place those improvements that are intended to be temporary. A lot of times you see them placed on the best building site on the property, on the ranch. So that less than permanent version is occupying a spot that really is best suited for the house one day. A lot of times we see permanent improvements located in less than optimal places, right up on the road, right next to the neighbor's improvements, where the enjoyment of those improvements is affected by the location of where they're placed. That is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The hot, dry weather is taking a toll on agriculture in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. In East Texas, since we last talked, it's gotten hotter and dry. This is causing real problems because our hay producers are reporting about a 75% crop in some spots, 85 in the others at the most. We've had rain in portions of the area that have prevented us from getting a uh, 100% declaration on a disaster so that we might receive some assistance down the road. If that comes about, it'll be a great thing for us. Producers, I have visited with hay producers in many different spots. And as I said, their report is about a 75% crop right now on this cutting. That's not good. One producer told me a hay producer says, I offered a crop to a man and he said, I'll sure take it because I've only got about 40 bales when I should be right around 65, 70 bales for my cattle to make it through the winter. Here we are in this time of the year when production really needs to be rolling and it's very low. So that means if the hay production is low, the forage production is low, cattle weight gains are not doing as good as they should on the grass that we have available at the present time. May mean a little bit of early cube feeding in the late summer, early fall this year. That's not good because of the expenses and the expense of fertilizer. We can't get the rain. We don't need to use the fertilizer because it just runs the cost up. The cattle market had been really good, took a dip last week in our area. And then as we go through the summer, if we have to start reducing some of our cow herds and selling off, the market's going to be dropping even more. So we're going to just have to kind of play it by ear, but the hot weather, I know it's hot everywhere, but here in East Texas, it really causes us problems because the humidity goes up, forage production goes down, weight gains go down, expenses continue to rise. And that's it in East Texas on the cattle front. Producers, they were picking peas every day, trying to get all the crop in before it burns absolutely up. A lot of the corn crop has already been damaged to be not a profitable venture for our producers this year. 
This is James Duggan in Marshall for Texas Ag Today. The new federal duck stamps are on sale now. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it has been a very hot year so far here in Texas, and the heat can have devastating effects on cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It has been a very hot year so far here in Texas, and this heat can have devastating effects on cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says the heat can be deadly. The combination of high temperatures, high humidity, and the lack of air movement can cause severe heat stress in cattle. It is indicated at Drovers.com that this extreme heat can result in reduced feed intakes, reduced gains, and even death. Cattle do not handle heat stress well. And I know I have talked about this on the program already this year, but some cattle are dying because of the heat. The thermal neutral zone for cattle is 32 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit, but can vary depending on metabolic size. When temperatures exceed the critical temperatures, which is common for at least six months of the year in Texas, cattle must expend energy in an attempt to dissipate heat, so they are eating valuable feed simply to cool themselves. Cattle attempting to dissipate heat usually have a high heart rate, high respiratory rates, and are panting. And if the nighttime temperatures do not decrease below 70 degrees, cattle cannot recover from the heat. And then the heat begins again the next day. However, there are some things you can do about heat, and access to water is probably the number one management idea to consider. When the temperature is above 80 degrees, cattle require nearly twice as much water as when it is cooler, and some require up to 30 gallons per day. If the humidity is not high, sprinklers with large droplet size can be effective in cooling cattle, but have limited effect with high humidity and moisture. If excessive manure is present in the environment, removing it can help the environment to cool as manure retains moisture and increases humidity. Also, avoid feeding cattle in the morning to help lower the heat load on cattle. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The new federal duck stamps are on sale now. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's wildlife report. As we inch closer to waterfowl hunting seasons here in Texas, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has unveiled a vital piece of every duck and goose hunter's gear, the federal duck stamp. The 2022-23 Federal Migratory Bird Hunting and Conservation Stamp, commonly called a duck stamp, features a pair of red-headed ducks painted by an artist from Minnesota. Duck stamps are required for waterfowl hunting in the United States, but they serve a bigger purpose. Funds from the sale of duck stamps go to protect wetlands habitat in the National Wildlife Refuge System. According to Fish and Wildlife, 98 cents of every dollar spent on duck stamps goes to acquiring and protecting habitat for ducks, geese, swans, and other wildlife. 
the Junior Duck Stamp, which is also on sale now, raises funds to support youth conservation education. Since 1934, when duck stamps were first introduced, more than $1.1 billion has been raised to protect the over 6 million acres of wetlands in the National Wildlife Refuge System. And those wetlands do more than provide a home for migrating waterfowl. Wetlands help purify water, aid in flood control, reduce soil erosion and sedimentation, and enhance outdoor recreation opportunities. The new duck stamps can be purchased on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website, at sporting good and retail stores, and at national wildlife refuges. Federal duck stamps are valid from July 1st to June 30th each year, and a new stamp must be purchased annually. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a holiday shortened week this week in the agricultural markets. Tuesday was our first trading day of the week. Jessica will be back with a complete look at Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Uncertainty and fear of a recession weighed on the commodity markets Tuesday after the 4th of July holiday on Monday. August live cattle down a dollar 67 to 132.92. October live cattle down a dollar 50 to 138.47. August feeder cattle were down a dollar 80 to 172.70. September feeder cattle down a dollar 55 to 176.10. Boxed beef was higher Tuesday, choice up 35 cents to $264.17. Select up 23 cents to $240.70. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. They sold cattle in Lockhart on Thursday, one of the last sales before the holiday. Madison Bexley, how did it go? We had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1350 with 370 cows and 41 bulls, 205 sellers and 64 buyers. Walk the pins with us. Um, the stalker cows, a few of the better in young pairs from 11 to 13.50. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 7.50 to 10.50. The better end of the bred cows from 8.50 to 12 and a quarter. The mediocre middle-aged and shortbreds from 5.50 to 8 and a quarter. 
Packer cows and bulls would have been mostly steady with a week ago. The good high-yielding cows from 78 to 92. The medium-yielding cows from 60 to 77. Low-yielding and lightweight cows from 35 to 59. The good high-yielding packer bulls from $1.05 to $1.18. The medium-yielding bulls from 95 to $1.04. The low-yielding and lightweight bulls from 80 to 94. And the calves and yearlings were sure stronger on the good quality cattle this week, uh, mostly four to six higher on a relative market. We had a couple of new buying companies this week and all in all it was a pretty good day tell everybody how to get a hold of you madison you can always check us out on facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476 my cell phone at 979-540-9793 or you can ring bubba at 512-461-6091 i'm larry marble i like this so much i'll do it again tomorrow hope to see you then good day july lean hogs up two dollars and 55 cents to 112.15 August lean hogs up $2.97 to $105.95. July class 3 milk down 28 cents to 22.14 a hundredweight. August class 3 milk down 72 cents to 21.70 a hundredweight. October cotton down 400 points to 101.38. December cotton down 400 points to 93.48. Analysts say those declines could be due to expected rains in parts of Texas and fear of Chinese retaliation. Last week, U.S. Secretary of State called for a boycott on cotton and cotton goods from a province in China where suspected slave labor is being used. Because China is the largest buyer of U.S. cotton this year, any retaliation could have an impact on our cotton prices. July corn down 18 and a half to 7.36 even. September corn down 27 and a half to 5.92 and a quarter. July hard red wheat fell 50 and three quarters Tuesday to 8.60 and a quarter. September hard red wheat down 51 and a half to 8.62 even. August natural gas fell 20 cents Tuesday to 5.52. September natural gas down 22 cents to 5.48. August West Texas intermediate crude oil on Tuesday fell $9.03 to $99.40 a barrel. September West Texas intermediate crude down $8.95 to $96.44 a barrel. The Dow fell 283 points Tuesday to 30,813. The S&P 500 down 13 points to 3,811. The Nasdaq rose 132 points to 11,258. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.